You're listening to episode 190 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about how you can be an island of sanctuary. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. Happy New Year. I hope you've been having an amazing January so far. I was wondering if you got a chance to listen to the Freedom School Up-Level Retreat replay we sent out the other day. If not, be sure to set some time aside to explore it and savor reflecting on 2023 and creating new soul-centered intentions for 2024, okay? And if you're not on the email list, just go to rebelbuddhist.com, sign up, let us know you want the replay and we'll get it to you, okay? All right, here we are, 2024. What the fuck just happened, right? Man, once again, I want to hide out in the woods because trying to create a sense of safety and hope in society can feel so impossible. But I also don't want to leave my people. And in these times, it can be easy to feel powerless, to have any significant impact on the future of our own lives, let alone the world, especially as we cross the threshold of being able to reverse things already set in motion, like certain aspects of climate change. So, you know, let's just straight up say it. I'm willing to be wrong about this, but it seems we can no longer solve the global problems or many of the global problems of this time at large scale levels like poverty, economics, climate change, violence, dehumanization, because she's just gotten way too big. The scale's way too big. And even though the solutions have been available for a long time, they require conditions to implement them that aren't readily available in modern industrialized society, right? Political courage, international collaboration, prioritizing compassion above greed and self-interest, not exactly available in abundance in industrial growth eras, right? And this lack of optimal conditions actually occurs in all civilizations at the end of their life cycle. We see this throughout history, right? And just like with impermanence of everything, including ourselves, we seem to also forget that all great civilizations have come to an end. And, you know, these patterns are things that, that we see at the end of a civilization's life cycle. And Margaret Wheatley, who is an organizational development leader, says that this can be really hard to absorb when people understand the complexity of global problems. And we've thought systemically to define root causes. And we propose meaningful solutions, but we are still finding ourselves impotent to influence those in power who ignore our efforts. And yeah, it's really freaking frustrating, right? So then many of us feel we have to protect ourselves from the increasing toxicity of this world by withdrawing like running to the woods in my case, or buffering with overworking, busyness, stuffing away our difficult emotions like despair, grief, powerlessness. And some of us try to feel better by bypassing or through denial. 
But not being with reality and our authentic experiences is exhausting and ineffective. And as Margaret Wheatley says, facing reality is an empowering act. It can liberate our mind and heart to discern how best to use our power and influence in service for this time. And I'm starting to think that we need to move beyond this concept of changing the world. You know, it sounds optimistic. It sounds important. And it's also really freaking overwhelming. And it usually leads to us feeling apathy when we try to change things that we have no power to change and not just because of the lack of positive thinking, right? And like I just said, in many ways, we can't change the world in some um, aspects. And this does not mean we do nothing. This is from the Talmud. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obliged to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. You know, when I was an activist against nuclear weapons in my teens and also advocating for environmental changes, this was the mentality to change the world. And back then, in some ways, it was easier to do that. But with some of the crises we're facing today, there are many things that are irreversible and we can easily fall into despair. Now, it's up to us in these times, not as global leaders, but as local leaders in our families, in our own communities. So instead of focusing on things we can't change and on a scale of global proportions that can overwhelm us, we can instead step into creating more local change that help shift our communities in a positive way, more sustainable changes that lift up our people and create a sense of possibility in the midst of this global descent. And like we spoke about in episode, I think it was 188 with Joanna Macy's teachings, Margaret Wheely, who also goes by Meg, says, we can't keep swimming alone in these toxic seas. We need to do this together. We'll talk about how we can do our part to build islands of sanctuary in this episode. I just want to emphasize that we do this within our own families and communities, right? Not alone. So what does this look like? You know, last month I introduced you to Joanna Macy and her particular gift of holding both grief and wonder together, the capacity to grieve the loss of the gifts of this time, as well as continue to see the beauty that's here as well. And with this being the first episode of 2024, I wanted to introduce you to another concept that can help us stay sane, connected, and access joy during these chaotic times. And I first heard this term suggested by Meg of islands of sanctuary. For me, an island of sanctuary is a place of refuge and community. And to clarify, Meg uses the phrase islands of sanity. She says she doesn't like the phrase islands of sanctuary because she feels during these times, at least, the goal isn't so much to create places of comfort or sanctuary, but rather places of sanity dedicated to doing the work together and creating the conditions for humans to be creative, generous, and kind. However, this is where I kind of differ from her in a significant way, because I believe islands of sanctuary, places that not only provide sanity, but also rest and comfort are absolutely necessary for effective change makers. So she'd probably just stop me right there and say she very intentionally chose islands of sanity and 
I think we can agree to disagree and still have the same main message of refuge and community. And megalines with Joanna Macy and saying it's possible as we face the fearful complexity of life-destroying problems to experience recurring moments of grace and joy. She says it's possible as leaders of organizations, communities, and families to discover deep and abiding satisfaction in our work if we choose not to flee or withdraw from reality. We can find a path of contribution and meaning if we turn our attention away from issues beyond our control and focus on the people around us who are yearning for good leadership and engage them in work within reach. Right. She says, so much is possible if we consciously and wisely choose how best to step forward as leaders for this time. Yes, and in my opinion, it's essential that these islands also be nourishing and comforting and a place to reset our nervous system so we can build the resilience needed. Now, I know there are some people who say that as part of chaos theory, that these times are also filled with potential. And that this can lead to the demise of the current system and the ensuing chaos can be an opportunity to create healthy new systems. So then the focus is on the hope of what comes after things fall apart. But here's the deal. Chaos can be a generative force for change or a cause for disintegration and death. And either way, it requires a descent into chaos when everything falls apart. You know, and as Meg says, it's this part of the cycle that we need to prepare for. She says, chaos cycles triggered by changes in the environment. These external changes force the system to abandon its old ways and respond to the new. Everything that held it together, its beliefs, meanings, and structures no longer work now that the environment has changed. And so the system falls apart. It descends into chaos and finally reaches a bifurcation point where it has two choices. Either it reorganizes using new beliefs and structures that work well in the changed environment, or it can insist on the old ways, fail to reorganize, and die. Both rebirth and death are possible as an outcome of the passage through chaos. So yeah, there's this foundation of logic for those who welcome in this time of disruption and chaos as a means to create healthier, more humane, uh, life-affirming ways. But the deal is we cannot get there from here without first going through the falling apart stage, you know? So we have to prepare for that. And, you know, I know as I say that, it can sound really fucking gloom and doom, but to fall back onto a mountaineering analogy once again, it's like knowing a storm's coming. You know, we know it's coming and, you know, we say bomb-proof the camp, which is like you make sure everything would stay intact and in camp even if uh, the pressure of a bomb went off or something. So you make sure the tents and tarps are secure. You take any clothes or towels hanging out on trees or anything, bring them inside because otherwise they'll get blown off the mountain. You tuck away the kitchen items so your stove doesn't get ruined and your food doesn't get waterlogged. You protect all your gear by bringing it into the tent or protecting it with a tarp or something. And you get ready to be stuck in the tent for a long ass time. You get your haiku game on. You write bad poetry. You go through all your jokes. You wish you brought cards against humanity with you. And you ride out the storm. And then when the sun eventually comes out, you dry out your gear. You read the bad poetry you wrote. You pee in your pants laughing. You know, I remember 
during a three-day storm in the Sierra, we were stuck in a tent and my friend Lauren's first haiku line. So a haiku is like five syllables, then seven syllables, then five syllables. And her first five-syllable line was stinky pits and twat. (laughs) You could tell we were stuck in a tent together. So brilliant. Anyway, so we can prepare or if you pretend the storm isn't coming, you're screwed. Or if you only sit around saying, don't worry, the sun will eventually come out tomorrow, you know, you're screwed too because you haven't prepared for the storm. So we're talking about how to create an island of sanctuary for our people where they can prepare and even continue to experience joy during these difficult times. You know, we can use our power and influence insight and compassion to lead people back to an understanding of who we are as humans. Create the conditions for our basic human positive qualities, right? To be evoked no matter what. I love this quote by Howard Zinn. He says, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presence. And to live now as we think human beings should live in defiance of all that is bad around us is itself a marvelous victory. All right. So we use the concept island because it sets itself apart from the destructive aspects of uh, people on the mainland, right? If you're on an island, then there's the mainland. So there's all that nasty shit going on on the mainland. And we can set ourselves apart from that. And being in Hawaii right now, I'd say island is a very accurate analogy. And that's often the mentality of the mainland from here. So it needs to be an island because there's no other way to preserve and protect our best human qualities. It doesn't have to be a physical place, but it can be. But more so, it's like a philosophical orientation, a commitment to contributing to this time in meaningful and purposeful ways and to creating the causes and conditions for these very wholesome human qualities. You know, even though we want to be generous, creative, and kind, we often find ourselves caught in aggression and fear. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I know better. I've showed up better in the past, but now I'm becoming distrustful, angry, fearful, just like everybody else. And I can so relate to this. I've watched myself get more jaded, isolated, apathetic, swimming in ennui, right? Like I got to watch out for me. This world is so dangerous, right? But islands of sanctuary can help stop this downward trend. We need to create a protective way of being that buffers the impact of these negative forces. We need to set ourselves apart and claim who we choose to be. You know, people dedicated to creating the causes and conditions for more people to realize their best human qualities. And we can't do it alone. We need to gather together with others. We develop an island mentality, not to exclude, but to increase our capacity to serve, right? We develop strength and the resilience as we work hard. We stay together. We figure things out. We try. We fail. We listen to new ideas. We forgive. And this is a gift to dedicate ourselves to this purpose. Now, in Meg's model, She says we aren't seeking sanctuary, but rather contribution. 
and the possibility of working together to accomplish meaningful work. But there's a lot of emphasis on work and contribution, which is so much still a part of the paradigm that got us into this mess and not enough emphasis on restoration, rest, nourishing, calming our souls and nervous system in these animal bodies. And these days it's easier to withdraw than to step forward. You know, I remember living in Ashland, Oregon, and it was this like 20 years ago almost. And it was a smaller town and I loved it. I loved seeing friends in the store, being recognized at the food co-op by name, being able to give tons of hugs when I went to buy veggies. And visitors from out of town would often complain, man, people talk too much in line at the co-op. I just want to pay for my stuff, right? Yeah, it's like safer to protect ourselves than to be visible and engage and interact. We're so overwhelmed. This is why we need our islands of sanctuary. On these islands, we don't withdraw. Instead, we commit to creating community, right? We expect generosity, creativity, and kindness as the norm. We realize that Modern industrialized society lacks the capacity to create the conditions for these qualities. But we can create smaller islands for this, right? And we can all agree, you know, it can be considered pretty natural for us to feel moments of aggression, greed, other behaviors, but modern industrialized society is normalizing them. And this is why we need islands of sanctuary, right? To reawaken the human spirit, as Meg says. So these islands give us a sense of hope and that there's meaningful action and the possibility of rest and restoration, right? It's a place of connection to others because we can't do it alone. It gives us a chance to distance and separate from the toxic behaviors of this time. And, you know, we don't need to start a nonprofit. You could, but we can do this within our own household, with friends in our spiritual communities. So instead of checking out, we withdraw psychically and spiritually from the toxicity to create conditions that awaken our human spirit. I want to invite you to consider that you can absolutely be an island of sanctuary for your people. This is a noble role. You know, Meg says, at dark times in history, a small group of people arise to protect and defend what is most valued. In this era, the human spirit and the spirit of life are in great need of protection. And I don't know if you're familiar with the legend of the Shambhala warrior, but it's a tradition of peaceful, nonviolent warriors armed with only two weapons, compassion and insight. And we do this for our people, for humanity, but especially what, you know, is within reach of us, our community. And part of community is feeling we belong, that we matter, that we can contribute to society. And it's also trusting our community to be inclusive, kind, and forgiving. I mean, since our earliest days, the harshest punishment for humans is exile, physical exile, or today, you know, being threatened or hated on social media, being canceled. And now half of Americans report feeling lonely. And there's a freaking minister of loneliness in the UK. What? No wonder we're seeing increasing rates of suicide and mental illness. Listen, my dad had a serious mental illness and was often very difficult to be around. And he still came to every party we went to. 
He'd want to stay home. My mom knew it was good for him to get out. So we got him out. And oh my gosh, it was so annoying most of the time, hugely inconvenient socially. But everybody welcomed him when he walked in. Why? Because it was the freaking kind thing to do, people, right? It was kind. We need to be together. And when we're isolated by conflict and fear, we literally go crazy. And goddess knows that's the last thing my papa needed. We can change that. You can. So I want to ask again, in the midst of uncertainty, can you be an island of sanctuary? How do you want to show up? Are you ready to be an island of sanctuary for your people? You know, some of us in times of uncertainty and disruption try to control everything and everyone around us. Maybe I do that sometimes. (laughs) Others might deny or bypass. Being like, you know, it'll probably just all correct itself while I look away. Others might use this magical combination of compassion and insight in community to find solutions. Fear of the uncertainty that we face. This is from Meg. Fear of the uncertainty that we face when perceived as a threat can cause us to retreat from one another, from values that held us together, from ideas and practices that encouraged inclusion, from faith in leaders, from belief in basic human goodness. But whatever the problem, community is the answer. So the idea is that by releasing the things we have no control over, we can focus on our people around us, our family, friends, communities, colleagues. We can help them engage in meaningful work and rest that is possible for them. And we can also very intentionally choose who we want to be. Too often, we focus on others and where they fall short, and we try to change them. But we can instead focus on cultivating our own capacity to be islands of sanctuary and cultivate wisdom and compassion. This helps us take more effective action, have a more direct experience of reality without as many filters of fear and unprocessed emotion. We can have more inner calm, like Thich Nhat Hanh shares when he talks about the refugee boats. He says they met with storms or pirates, and if everyone panicked, all would be lost. But if even one person remained calm and centered, it was enough. They showed the way for everyone to survive. We need more people to be sane, wise, resilient, and compassionate. So I want to close with this quote from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves. Ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach. Any small, calm thing that one soul can do to help another soul to assist some portion of this poor, suffering world will help immensely. So will you consider this invitation to be an island of sanctuary for your people, the one they can look to in these chaotic times, a place to feel safe, unjudged, calm, at peace, a place where they can feel seen, heard, and inspired to manifest their qualities of generosity, creativity, and kindness to contribute to society in their own unique way when everything else is screaming, hide and think of yourself? I really hope so, my friends. Please say yes, or at least maybe. Like in the Bodhisattva aspiration, we can aspire to have the capacity to do this. And just by setting this intention, we move closer. So be it.
All right, my friends, happy new year. And in case you forgot, at Blocations for the Adventure Mastermind, where we help you cultivate these skills to be an island of sanctuary, the applications are open. So head over to adventuremastermind.com. All right, until next week, aloha. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist training kit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.